The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Quirky tip of the day. Hello, guys, and welcome. We are here today to talk about reactivity in dogs. It's a big topic, and that's the problem that most dogs and owners have. Owners will call and say, my dog barks at people, my dog barks at dogs, whether it's on leash, off leash, behind a fence or not, we're going to deal with that today. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. (coughs) All right, so um, we wanted to talk about these biothane leashes, and the quirky tip of the day is brought to you this week by Earthheart. Um, and I will get over to that company in a second. But these biothane leashes are um, something that we have believed in for a long time. We switched from leather leashes to biothane leashes with our own in-person clients, and we now sell them with our online business as well. There will be a link to these in the show comments if you want to click and see um, these on our website. We have them for sale, six-foot black biothane leashes. But they're nice because they're mold and mildew resistant. Um, They're animal-friendly, of course, so I like that aspect of it. And they don't have any give to it. So if the dog's going to go to the end of the leash, it's not like one of those bungee leashes or even a leather leash that stretches just a little bit. What you see is what you get. Um, these leashes are super durable. They feel super great in the hand and, um, they're a little easier for a dog that maybe nibbles on the leash sometimes to not get through immediately. It seems like so often with these nylon leashes or these leather leashes, if the dog starts gnawing at it, all of a sudden you have the leash in two parts. Well, they don't taste parts. as good as leather for the dog. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah. The biothane leash doesn't taste as good. And then the other thing I want to bring up, this company, Earthheart, um, this, if you have a diffuser in your home, which pretty much everyone does nowadays, this canine calm is like the cat's meow. I am all about this stuff. It is in every room of our house. I love the scent of it. It has lavender combined with a bunch of other good scents. And we really believe in using essential oils with dogs to help calm them down and to help calm the whole um, tone of the house down. So there'll be a link for this as well in the show notes. And um, this is an Earth Heart product. And we really, really love it. This is the canine calm that goes in diffusers. It comes in a spray and a roll-on also. But this is what I use most frequently with our dogs at our house rather than rubbing it on everybody's ears individually. It just goes all throughout the house and you can't beat the scent. I certainly would uh, suggest trying that before you get involved in medicating your dog. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, these essential oils now, it's crazy. I... um, you know, you can get them for a hundred dollars. I mean, doTERRA products, it's a hundred dollars a bottle. So this is a pretty affordable one and I really enjoy the scent. So check it out. All right. We are going to talk about reactivity. There's a lot of different venues, if you will, of reactivity. And we're going to start with leash reactivity. So most common, I would say with leash reactivity is dog to dog reactivity on leash. What do you think? Yeah, I will, that'll be a pretty common complaint. People say that when their dog sees another dog on the street, they'll start pulling, lunging, barking, Uh, the reason for it could be any number of things. It could be that the dog wants to play. It could be that the dog is fearful of the other dog. It could be that it has some, some real aggression, but that's probably 
the number one uh, reactive issue that we get as far as a complaint, sure. Yeah, and the funniest thing is I would say half of these clients say, my dog's an ass on leash on the street, but it goes to daycare every day. So it's not like the dog is necessarily aggressive. It's that component of the leash being involved that makes the dog activated and makes it become an issue on the street. So leash reactivity with dogs and dogs, you want to think of a few things. One, what are you doing? Do you see a dog two blocks away and all of a sudden now you're starting to sweat, you're starting to envision it going poorly, yeah. you're um, choking up, up on your leash? This is a common one. If the dog is on the leash, all of a sudden now you're just rolling the leash up your hand like, oh God, I have to hold on. Well, now the dog has, you know, six to eight inches of leash that you're pulling them back. You're like setting them up for failure. When we're training protection dogs, we're using opposition reflex. When dogs are pulling a sled, dogs in the Iditarod, you're using opposition reflex. If you're making that happen on the street, the likelihood of that dog blowing up now is going up just because of your own actions. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're getting all stressed out about it, there's a good chance that you're creating the very issue. And uh, one way I have uh, shown people that because a lot of times it, they're not aware of what they're doing is I will have them put a 10 foot leash or a 15 foot leash on their dog and have them walk just holding the handle. So now between the dog and their hand, there's 10 or 15 feet. And of course we won't have it so that there can be dog dog contact, but I'll walk, you know, out in a parking lot and they'll, and their dog will not lunge because the dog isn't getting activated by the owner because there's so much leash between their hand and the dog's neck that they're not able to activate the dog. So that's kind of a good way to test it. As far as other reasons the dog would pull on a leash, uh, there's also the prey drive issue. And I would c categorize prey drive uh, a dog that wants to chase a bicycle that whips by quick or a, the skateboarder with the noise. Or a runner, by. a jogger. A, a lot jogger of joggers are by. traumatized by dogs walking. Yeah, and that, that's the motion. So if something is going by you quickly, that'll cause a dog to lunge and want to grab it. And it's not, in my mind, an aggressive... Um, uh, it can appear to be an aggressive behavior, but there isn't aggression behind it. It's just this prey drive that the dog has. It wants to chase a ball. It wants to chase a bicycle. Uh, it's a lack of training, uh, but it's another reason why a dog would be reactive on the leash. Yeah, and the could most, be a motorcycle. The most extreme example of that is cars, and dogs that do that with cars uh, more often than not end up getting killed by a car because they're going to chase cars yeah, and they're getting the out in traffic and everything else. So. What to do when these types of things occur, when there is a leash involved and you have reactivity. And before we get to solutions, I want to talk about that third situation also, which would be with humans. So if your dog is now aggressively being reactive to other humans while you are holding the leash and it's on leash, that is on you to keep the dog from being within reach of biting zone, okay? And if you need to put a muzzle on your dog in public, that's something you should consider as well. But if we're talking about reactivity towards humans. There is no situation in which you say, oh, come on up and give my dog a treat, pet my dog, let my dog go see you. He'll warm up to you. If your dog is reactive with other people on leash, there is a zero contact zone in that setting to avoid a bite. Okay. Just to acknowledge that before we move on to what you can do to fix it. Yeah. And that may seem, you know, painfully obvious, but I mean, I've heard everything over the years. I had a gentleman come in with a dog that was aggressive towards kids on leash. So what he would do every day is take the dog out in the neighborhood trying to find kids so that they could pet his dog so that he could get his dog used to children, uh, which is crazy because, you know, some innocent kid's going to come up maybe and hug that dog and get bit in the face or something like that. Yeah. You know? Socialization occurs early on in the dog's life. 
This isn't something, and the, a lot of times this isn't lack of socialization. It's lack of training. It's lack of criteria. It's lack of control. And if you think, oh, I want my dog to go to daycare to be socialized with other dogs, just like we said, a lot of these leash reactive dogs do fine at daycare because there's no leash. There's nothing that you're bringing to the table and everything else. So the way to fix these things is through management and through training. So if you have reactivity to motorcycles or dogs or people or something else, rather than choking up on that leash like we talked about or getting one of those leashes that has a traffic handle and you're just holding the dog back before it even starts, give the dog the whole leash. As long as the dog cannot get to the car or not get to the other dog that at this point is probably a block away or reach a human or something else, let the dog go all the way to the end of the leash and then you do a 180 degree turnaround. I don't care if the dog's on a front attached harness, a collar, anything else. Give the dog the whole leash, and then you're heading the other direction with commitment. And Scott always said, which is a really good way to do it, if you have a a strong dog that weighs maybe 75, 80 pounds, and when they go, they go, it's hard for someone like me. I'm getting stronger because we've been going to the gym every day lately. And bigger. (laughs) But um, muscularly, he means. But um, you have both your hands on your chest with holding the end of that leash, and you turn, you're using like your hip rotation there. You're not trying to use your strength of your arms. You put your hands here, you turn with your hips, and you just go the other way, and you step into that other direction once you turn 180 degrees, and you just just go. just lean into the leash. Yeah, don't, you're not going to, you know, out um, power your dog in some circumstances. We know that dogs are strong, and a lot of times these women are like 90 pounds with a 110-pound dog. If it's that extreme... We recommend a gentle leader um, with training, of course. We don't want the dog flying out to the end of the leash and a gentle leader. But a dog that's that um, more physically uh, heavy in weight than the owner, that sometimes is the best option than any other collar or something else. So, uh, Before we move on from the leash uh, reactivity. We're not. Was, we're doing solutions, but go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to say, if, you've been, if, if your dog's been attacked uh, while it's on leash, and your dog has been involved in some type of a dog fight or some type of thing, and you're bringing that stress with you now as you're walking down the streets and you're always thinking about that past experience, uh, DM me through Facebook. I can uh, help you with some uh, exercises mentally that can help you to calm down to, to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, either Scott Williams and Canine Healing. And that goes for dogs that are reactive on leash also, not just dogs that have been attacked. Because we understand that there is a huge component of that that you're internalizing. I had a dog that was unfairly attacked many years ago, and it it becomes stressful for us because we know, oh, God, okay, he's going to blow up. Oh, what am I going to do? Everything else. So I know that we start to have physiological symptoms. You can start to feel yourself, oh, I'm tensing up. Your mind starts racing. Your breathing starts increasing. Like you're having these side effects because it's a real thing, but you getting in that state of mind isn't helping your dog to stay calm. So the dog, the dog can read that right. Yeah. Away. And it's triggering the dog's response. So that's an option to, to, um, definitely get in touch with Scott as far as that stuff. And then rather than choke up on the leash or start freaking out, try to get some control. So using food in this context is interesting because half the time, if the dog is eating and they're really aroused, you're just reinforcing that state of them being ready to go. And you don't want that, but get some control. Ask the dog to sit. Can the dog sit? Good. Feed the sit. Walk forward a few steps. Ask the dog to sit. Pace changes, direction changes, frequent sits. Get the dog working with you. Get the dog focused on you. Get in the dog's head. One of my favorite things you came up with was do 12 things in a minute or something. 
Yeah, just force the dog to engage with you. Yeah, they have to work with you and not having food in their face and luring and everything else. But literally within a minute, sit down, sit, walk forward, turn. You know, you're getting the dog working with you. So now they have to refocus their attention, not on what's out there, like the bicycle or the skateboard or the dog or the person, but on you. And then the other thing I'd like to say is limiting the dog's movement is important. And that may sound like totally what I said not to do with choking up on the leash. But if you have a six foot leash, um, not a flexi, don't ever have a reactive, a leash reactive dog on a flexi. If you have a six foot leash and you can now step on the leash and hold the handle, don't drop the handle. That's a common one. Step on the leash, drop the handle. No handle is in your hand and you're stepping on the leash. You're limiting the dog's uh, movement, which is going to limit the dog blowing up, if that makes sense. So rather than holding it and just trying to rush by, back off away from the street, step on the dog's leash 10 feet away. And if the dog only has six to eight inches of leash to work with, with the leash attached to ideally its collar, if it's a front attached, that's okay. Just make sure it can't slip off of them. They're going to be less reactive than if they had the whole leash or if you're moving on top of that. Okay. So limiting their movement is a huge one. And, um, it may seem like, well, that doesn't work for my dog. I tried it. It doesn't work. Well, how close were you to the distraction? We're not talking about, you know, sitting here at a truck stop now and just watching every truck go by within five feet. But if you can get success 50 feet away, then up it to 25 feet. If everything went haywire at 25 feet, go back to 30 feet. But get the dog conditioned to these things and get some good reps under your belt. Because up to this point, you've only had bad reps, you know? And if you have a dog walker who's having the same issues with leash reactivity, get another dog walker. Because often the owners have the problems, the dog walkers don't. But if the dog's rehearsing that with the dog walker too, the more they're rehearsing this behavior on the leash, the worse it is for you and the whole situation. Yeah. And as far as stepping on the leash, I mean, that's something that has to be a proactive uh, step where if the dog's already lunging and pulling, you trying to get that leash under your foot is going to be chaos. It's going to be real difficult to make that happen. Yeah, 100%. That so, would be when you give the dog the whole leash and do your 180 degree turn. Yeah. So you want to be proactive in setting that up. And the other thing I've had success with a lot of my clients is creating a, a little plan, a physical plan of like Jess talked about doing the about face, turning around. You need to do those things before that whole situation presents itself because when it happens, people go blank. Yeah. They stop thinking, they stand there and they start either yelling at their dog, sit, come, they start saying things that mean nothing and the dog's just pulling and pulling and pulling. And it's because you go into this kind of panic mode and you just don't respond, you don't do anything. So just like with police and firemen and anyone that, and schools, competitive sports, if you Kids want to be able to, when you want to respond in a certain way when you're out there, like if you're doing layups in basketball practice, you don't want to be, the first time you do a layup is in the middle of a game. You're doing it over and over again so that you don't have to think about it. When you get the opportunity and someone throws the ball at you to do that layup, you're not even thinking about it. You've done it so many times. So if you have a dog that's reactive, you walk through these steps. And I've had a lot of success using, like having the client do it with no dog. Well, You're not even going to use the dog. You're just going to do this thing. Half and, the time. Or I, I would be the yeah, dog. Yeah, you would be the dog, which I really like. Scott would be the dog, and he would be pulling, and he would be doing all these things, and he would be having 
the person rehearsed this by being the asshole dog. He'd be running out in front, everything else. And if you don't have someone else to do that with, you can do it with your dog with just food too. If you throw hot dogs, you know, 15 feet away, half the time the dog is going to want to pull towards those hot dogs also. So you can use that as a way to get the dog away from you. But you need to practice these things because when push comes to shove, you're going to revert back to your foundation in that stressful moment. And you want to try to uh, minimize these reps. Yeah, that's all. All right. And also the biothane leashes are great for reactivity because you don't have all that stress stretch. Okay. After the break, we are going to deal with barrier aggression, aggression when you're waking dogs up and movement reactivity. We'll see you then. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com good lighter too. Oh, Scott's doing his cigar talk. He's hook, line, and sinker with the cigars. My God, we're going to spend more money on cigars coming here than the podcast soon. All right. So next um, topic is barrier aggression. Ed's got my volume. You don't need to tone me down. All right. Next topic um, from leash reactivity is barrier aggression. And that's when the dog is now behind a fence, behind a gate, in a crate, in a car. There's a barrier between the dog and whatever it is that it wants to kill. Or as some people say, oh, he just really wants to see what's out there. A lot of times barrier aggression does not sound like the dog is just excited to go see something. Like sometimes on a leash where a dog is barking and lunging and wagging its tail. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen it with, uh, in the, you know, they call it crate aggression where the dog is just frothing at the mouth, growling, showing teeth and all that in the crate when you go up and put your hand near the crate door. But if you open the crate and let this crazy aggressive animal out, they're just licking you and they're happy as can be. It's all related to that crate door. So it doesn't mean that the dog wouldn't bite your finger off if you stuck your finger in right there. But as soon as you remove the barrier, it all goes away. So, I mean, we have, this is something where this territorial component could kick in if the dog is running to your window when someone another dog walks by your home and it starts barking and growling and spitting all over the window. It's something that pops up quite a bit in the car. Because now the car is an extension of your home. So now when the dog sees people or other dogs or anything go by the window of the car, again, it blows up. Yeah. um, And the fence is kind of the hardest one, I'd say, depending on what your fence is like, to just create a visual barrier. Like that's kind of where we would go with this pretty much in every context. Well, it's very simple to do. Nobody wants to do it. But I mean, we just put up a fence at our home. And we put up a visual barrier around the fence. Yeah, but if people have a chain link fence and it's their whole property and everything else, um, I understand that now to totally redo your fence or something else. So what we would recommend in those instances is one of the dog trolleys that you could like attach to two trees, not that comes out of the ground where the dog can strangle itself or cut off the blood supply to its leg, but one that comes from above. So even if the dog sees someone or something, if somebody stuck their fingers in the fence, they couldn't actually get bit because that's a big issue for you. And as much as you think, oh, nobody would ever do that, the dog's barking, half the time people think, oh, it's okay, I'll just go calm the dog down, I'll tell him it's okay, whatever. Like, you don't want to have that interaction. When it comes to the crate, the car, the windows, everything else, your best bet 
is to keep the dog from visually having that, um, that visual. So you're going to put something in front of the crate if it's in the car. If the dog's loose in the car, put the dog in the crate. Um, if the windows are open, uh, get blinds. If the dog's going to attack the blinds, gate the dogs off from going to that room to get to the window every time. Minimalize the noise that the dog can hear the mailman coming. Put a noise diffuser or something in the other room. Leave the TV on on a classical music station or something to keep the dog from going there. And it's funny. Um, Usually with the um, window uh, aggression issues, it's time related. It's when kids get out of school in the afternoon, the bus stop, kids are all coming around the neighborhood. That's when the dog, they just wait patiently for all that stuff to happen so they can just start blowing up, barking out the window because it's fun. Yeah. And sometimes if you leave the dog alone in the house, uh, it may just sleep all day. A lot of the times the reactivity is a way to also get you to acknowledge the dog. Oh, Rover, don't go do that. Oh, so-and-so, don't go do that. It's just kind of this chain of events that happens at home. And we were at the dentist a few months ago. I guess I had a lot of behavior stories from the dentist. And the dentist said, you know, if there's one thing I could fix, it's that my dogs bark at the, out the window all day, every day. And I said, okay, like, what, I got like six solutions. Kratom, uh, you could try bark collars if you wanted, um, put a gate up so they can't access that room, have blinds down. I gave them all these options. And then he said, oh, well, I, it kind of makes me sad to think that they couldn't, you know, go and bark because it's what they enjoy most of all. So if you don't want to fix the issue, that's fine too. But if it's an issue and your house is getting torn up and you have a newborn that's getting woken up and stuff during the day, implement some of these things to make, um, subside these behaviors. Aggression is aggression is aggression. And I can't stress that enough. People say, oh, my dog isn't aggressive at all. Oh, well, he can't be at the vet without wearing a muzzle. Oh, my dog isn't aggressive at all. Oh, when he eats, he growls. Anytime the dog is rehearsing aggression, the dog is showing aggressive behaviors and is inadvertently becoming more aggressive. So you want to minimize every single rep of aggression there is. Well, and just a hectic behavior and a, an, an unstable mind. You just don't want the dog getting into that unstable mental state because anything can happen. Yeah. You know? Dogs or people. No, yeah. no unstable minds. Okay. So another thing that comes, that comes up quite frequently, um, surprisingly so, is my dog comes out of a dead sleep raging. Like if you go, if the dog's sleeping on the couch and you say, okay, it's time to go to bed and you go to wake them up, the dog just comes out of sleep, blah, 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 like or ready just, to kill. Or just snarls at you, growls at you. Yeah. That kind of but thing. either, either one, not good. So no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people will just wind up sitting on the floor when they watch TV because the dog's on the couch. They're afraid to go get on the couch. But if you have a dog that's getting on furniture and then growling at you or your own bed uh, reacting in that way, uh, I wouldn't let them up on the furniture. I mean, a lot of trainers say you can never get on the furniture to their dogs. I tell people, if you want your dog on the bed with you, it's fine with me. But if you have, uh, you know, these different issues popping up, it's not a good idea. Uh, what I would do if you have that type of issue going on and you're not able to keep them from getting on the furniture, at the very least, I would let them drag a leash on, you know, put a leash on them so that when they do get up on the couch and now it's time for you to get them off, you can pick the leash up and give them direction off of the uh, sofa or whatever it is. Yeah. And the same thing when they're sleeping now, they have the leash or this drag line on. You pick that up and you are saying, okay, time to go to bed with the leash rather than actually physically touching them. And if still, even with a leash on, the dog is reactive, crate the dog more. Let the dog sleep in a crate. Let the dog nap in a crate. Put more structure into the dog's life. Half of the time, these things are happening because the dog is just given too much freedom day in, day out in everyday life, everyday matters. So if you start to create more structure in the dog's life, you're going to see these things 
start to tone down a bit. And yeah, then the biggest resistance I've come come into with regard to implementing that structure is that the people are getting so much value from having the dog on the couch with them or on the bed with them that they don't want to give that up because the dog gives them so much emotional comfort. But the dog is also, you know, that aggression is starting to pop up. So you got to find a balance there, you know? Yeah. If your dog is growling at you on the couch, that's unacceptable. If you're waking your dog up to go to bed for the night and they're growling, it's unacceptable. You need to you need to stop these things in their tracks. Aggression is aggression. You don't want the dog rehearsing aggression. And then the last one is movement reactivity. And this may not be uh, super intuitive to most of you, but a lot of dogs, um, somebody comes over, it's hectic, and then the dog's totally chill for three hours. People watch the game. You know, everybody's sitting there drinking some beers. Everything's fine. Somebody gets up to go to the bathroom or gets up to leave. All of a sudden now the dog goes crazy, you know, runs either to the back of their legs or just barks or something else. So a lot of the times this stems from um, some of that prey drive that talked, Scott talked about earlier, but also just a fear. The dog was fine when everything was calm and there were new people here. But now that someone's moving, it gets the dog all stimulated again. Yeah. And I just tie that into a total lack of structure. The dog's mentally loose fearful and able to do whatever they want whenever they want to do it and they're just reacting they're just being a dog they're being an unstable dog and again i the easiest way to deal with that is if you're having company over i'd put the dog away if you haven't addressed it and you're not willing to do some training with your dog just simply put them in another room when you're gonna have company over because someone's gonna get bit yeah and it, it's so often oh well the dog did this for five years but now he bit someone whether it broke the skin or not, like there were signs here, people, that this was going to happen. So either crate the dog, put the dog in a separate room, step on the leash like we talked about. You limiting the dog's movement is going to limit that reactivity in and of itself. If somebody gets up from across the room and the dog has this much leash, the dog may stand up, but the dog can't now run across the room and go to attack their leg or something. And then the well, other... The other thing I want to say about that is you also really can't trust people. So even if, like I was just thinking, you know, you could tether the dog with a leash to a doorknob or some way uh, restrain the dog in the room where the dog can't actually come out and maybe nip at someone. But the problem with company is that a lot of people love dogs. So they're going to go right into the dog's space wanting to pet the dog or something, and then they're going to get bit. So for everybody's safety, if you have a dog that is exhibiting that type of behavior, first of all, seek out a trainer and get some training done. But don't just leave everything to chance because it will only get worse. It won't get better on its own. It typically won't get better yeah, by itself. Yeah, it's not going to organically work itself out. And then that's something that we would do. We would teach the dog a solid bed exercise and everything else, like teach the dog to go get on a bed. And then even if somebody got up to leave the room, if the dog wanted to react, maybe it only stood up and barked once. It didn't just fly off the bed to run up to somebody. But you go back to that same thing. Are you able to trust your guests? Is everybody having a little bit too much to drink and getting loose and want to go pet the dog yeah. anyway? So that's when, when people start drinking, that's when someone gets bit by a yeah, dog. Yeah, so just be careful of those kind of things. And most importantly, you guys... Well, it's kind of funny when it happens then, but... <laughs> <laughs> most importantly, guys, is our concerns become our reality. So if in your mind you're saying, oh my God, things are getting bad, this dog looks like a dog that my dog would normally go after, and you're just playing this over and over again in your mind as the situation is unraveling the likelihood of it going bad is greater than if you were just neutral. Sometimes if a stranger is holding the leash, the dog doesn't exhibit that behavior, whether they're putting control on the dog or not, just because they're not bringing all of that past trauma to the experience. So like Scott had mentioned before, if you are dealing with that, whether your dog was attacked or your dog is showing reactivity um, on the leash or something else, we have some specific methods to work with you guys personally 
and get you through that trauma because we understand that it takes its toll on you and it is stressful, but whatever uh, persona you're taking on, your dog's going to take over as well. And that's not a sales call. We can give you some good free stuff. Yeah. We're all about it. All right, guys. um, Next week, we're going to go over the importance of crating your dog. We're all about tightening up that control in 2020. And if you have any questions, you can email us at studio at thequirkydog.com. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Keep it quirky. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.